Hello, everybody, and welcome to the lost episode of the Helix Reviews podcast. What? What in the world? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. So somehow this slipped through the cracks. So way back in 2018, when Mission Impossible Fallout was coming out, uh, I, I recorded this episode. I created an episode where I reviewed every single Mission Impossible movie leading all the way up to Fallout and then reviewing Fallout itself. And then for whatever reason, somehow this slipped through the cracks. I never released it. I never edited it. I never anything until just now when I was like, this has just been sitting on my computer for five years now. And now finally I'm here and then the next Mission Impossible movie is coming out. So I was like, well, I guess it's time to release it now. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't have a good explanation for as to why it's not releasing. And then going back and editing it and stuff, listening, I'm like, oh man, I like the way I talk and do some stuff in the podcast is different than the way that I do it now. Interesting, uh, going back and listening to myself five years ago and stuff, but okay. Uh, so here we go. We got the first several entries here up through Fallout are going to be a retro podcast that I recorded five years ago. And then since the new one, Dead Reckoning Part 1, has already come out, I'm going to go ahead and take my review that I already recorded and put in a different episode. Uh, I'm just going to take that out of that episode and kind of slip it in here so that way it's uh, all the way uh, current here. It's it's Mission Impossible 1 through the most current one, which is Dead Reckoning. Uh, so yeah, here we go. Without any further ado, let's just uh, throw it back to me five years ago. Here you go. Hello and welcome to the Helix Reviews Podcast. My name is David Arrington, bringing you reviews from a Christian geek worldview. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking about Mission Impossible, the entire franchise here. So the first Mission Impossible all the way through Mission Impossible Fallout. Now, this series is based on an older TV show, but I've never seen any of the TV show, and I, I don't know, I mean, I, I just it being this kind of older TV show, I'm thinking kind of like the A-Team or something, it's probably just not going to be something I enjoy all that much, and I, I just don't have all that much interest in uh, going back and checking out, so I haven't seen any of the old TV show. My experience with Mission Impossible is entirely these films and I didn't actually start off with the first one the first Mission Impossible I ever saw it was I think it was at a bachelor's party uh, I saw Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol so that's why that was my kind of introduction to the franchise there and so then I went back to the first one and now I have seen through all of these movies and I, I like doing these episodes to kind of give you a uh, to give you and to give me kind of a, maybe a, over, a more overall look at these films you know because you can see how much franchises, especially long franchises like this, change from where it started to where it ended and whether it's, you know, better at the beginning or at the end or what not. Let's just jump right into the first Mission Impossible. Good morning, Mr. Phelps. This is your mission should you choose to accept it. Should you or any member of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow all knowledge of your actions. Ethan Hunt will be your point man as usual. Good luck, Jim. Simple game. Is he serious? Always. It's much worse than you think. Mission impossible. An American agent, Tom Cruise's character Ethan Hunt, is under false suspicion of disloyalty and he must go rogue and expose the real spy that's in the organization so that way he doesn't uh, end up taking the fall for it. You know, it's all these movies have the same plot. I, <laughs> I was going to talk about that later, but uh, that's kind of the case here. Anyway, all right, let's just let's just start off with the positives of this movie. I like some of the sequences. And, and by that I mean you know, there's like some fun kind of action sequences, and there's, but, but really where this shines is more of the the espionage, the spy sequences. You know, there's that that classic part. You know, when you think Mission Impossible, you think Tom Cruise hanging down on that line in that room, you know, doing whatever he's doing. 
that part's really good, right? And and there's other scenes like that where you know they're they're tricking people, they're being spies and stuff like that. That is well done and is fun to watch. And honestly, that's kind of just the biggest positive to me in this movie because overall, I found this movie pretty meh. Not not all that interesting. I mean, the, the spy stuff and some of the action stuff is kind of cool and is kind of fun, but I never really got too invested in any of these characters, uh, including Ethan Hunt. You know, I, I never really... I never really got invested in any of these characters. And then, you know, you figure out who the spy is and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, I, I ultimately, I just didn't really care. Because when it came down to it, I, I just didn't care much about many to any of these characters, unfortunately, you know. And so this movie does something that it really shouldn't do. I mean, it's, for the most part, fairly kind of down-to-earth and and believable, more or less, right? Like, that this is a fairly down-to-earth kind of spy movie until the end comes when there's, like, a Fast and Furious-style action scene where the physics are just thrown out the window and they just do something absolutely nuts at the end of this movie. And action sequences like that can be fun, and it does, it works in Fast and Furious, right? You know, he he does, they do absolutely ridiculous things in Fast and Furious, and it's like, ah, oh, yeah, this is fun. But ultimately, at the end of this movie, it just, it didn't fit into the movie that it seemed like they were trying to make, which is a little bit more realistic of an action movie, a little bit more uh, serious of an action movie, and then suddenly you have this absolutely ridiculous thing that that happens in the movie and they these movies they kind of get bigger and, and a little more ridiculous as things go on later on I, I am more okay with it a, a little further on I, i'll probably talk more about this later but i'm more okay with it a little further on because that's it, it feels like that's the kind of movie we're in by the time we got to those movies this one it still it feels like they're trying to be a, a, more, a little bit more grounded a little bit more serious action movie than the fast and furious style bombastic ridiculous action kind of movie it was kind of cool though seeing uh john reno in here john reno is the is the professional he's leon and and leon the professional and uh you know it was kind of cool seeing him in here but then again he wasn't really a character or anything that I cared about. It was just kind of cool seeing the actor because he's an actor that I uh, I really enjoy. Overall, this first Mission Impossible, it's a fine enough little espionage action kind of flick. It's, it's not anything amazing, but if you were going to watch it, I wouldn't say, oh, don't watch that. It's terrible. It's not that. It's just right there in the middle, just kind of meh. It's rated PG-13 for some intense action, and violence, and I would give it a 2.5 out of 5 stars on the enjoyability scale. Alright, now let's move on to Mission Impossible 2. Identity confirmed. Good morning, Mr. Hunt. Sorry I barged in on your vacation. Well, Mr. Hunt, I don't quite know where to begin. You know me? No. Should I? She's got no training for this kind of thing. Mission Impossible 2, IMF Agent, uh, IMF by the way stands for Impossible Mission Force, <laughs> nice, alright, IMF Agent Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise obviously, is sent to Sydney, Australia to find and destroy a genetically modified disease called Chimera. It's like a chimera virus kind of thing. It's a, a weapon of mass destruction, viral kind of kind of weapon. Once again, starting off with the positives here, uh, there's some cool Mission Impossible-y kind of sequences, the same kind of stuff I described as before. You know, when, when they're doing some of the espionage stuff, it's kind of cool. There's some cool action scenes, uh, and there, there's some cool, like, kind of big set-piece moments, you know, and then, you know, the whole, like, oh, pulling the mask off, and oh, look who it is, oh, that's cool. Though I think they may have pulled that trick, you know, one too many times in this movie. You know, it's like, all right, you're going to keep going back to the well on that one. Even though that, I mean, it, at least to me, it, it seems like a very classic Mission impossible kind of thing. Uh, and it's cool for the most part when it happens, but it, it maybe happens a little bit too often in this movie. Uh, this is directed by John Woo, and it, it seems like it's kind of a blend of like this Asian and American filmmaking styles, which is interesting, but I mean, ultimately it, it doesn't really work too well in this movie there's just there's ridiculous amounts of completely unnecessary and strange 
slow motion going on in this movie where like Ethan Hunt is like, oh, and then the girl is staring back at him like, oh, and they're in love, I guess. Apparently, I don't know. They just met. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's really stupid and annoying, honestly, this whole weird. I, I don't like the filmmaking style, ultimately. I think, you know, the, the blending of these two things could have been interesting, but ultimately it doesn't really work for this movie. Uh, this is the kind of movie also where the bad guys will fire a thousand times and just not hit anything, and our heroes will shoot, you know, once, falling off a motorcycle flying through the air, and bang, one shot, one hit kill, just like that. And it's like, okay, I... Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, I kind of hinted at it before. The love story in here, th that really kills this movie for me. I mean, it's just, it's terrible. I didn't buy it that they actually fell in love at all. And the, the whole movie really kind of hinges on that plot line. You know, oh, they're in love. And it, it really just didn't work for me at all. They just seemed like, you know, a, a super spy and like a, a cat burglar. And they're both trying to use each other. But now they're in love so much that they do all these extreme things for each other and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, ah, I don't really buy it. I, I just don't buy it. There's kind of less action in here than you might expect from a Mission Impossible movie, but that's fine, I guess, if they want to focus a little bit more on the story and stuff. Uh, but ultimately, to me, the story and stuff didn't really work. Tom Cruise has really long hair that just keeps flopping around in his face all the time, and I was just like, cut your hair this entire time because it was really annoying to me. But, I mean, that doesn't take anything away from the movie. That was just like... Why? <laughs> uh, I mean, ultimately, this is fine, I guess. I, I liked it probably a little less than the first movie, but I mean, not significantly less. It's fine enough. It's I, I just didn't really care for it. What these movies are lacking for me is is characters that I can root for. I didn't care about Tom Cruise in this movie. I didn't care about his girlfriend character in this movie. You know, I, I want a character here that we can relate to and, and kind of emotionally connect to on some level, and that's just missing in these first couple of movies, and uh, it's something that I hope to see fixed going forward. Does it? Well, I'll let you know here. This is kind of like the, the Tokyo Drift of this franchise, where it's kind of this weird other movie, where it's kind of the, it's the stylistically, it's a little bit different. We have different characters, and then from here on out, we kind of revert maybe a little bit closer back to what the first movie was and, and you know maybe a little bit more in line to the tone and stuff of what the the first movie was going forward here this is kind of the oddball odd one out as compared to most all the other ones of these Mission Impossible movies. Mission Impossible 2 is rated PG-13 for intense sequences of violent action and some sensuality. I would give it two out of five stars on the enjoyability scale. Let's just get to Mission Impossible 3 here. Girlfriend. Four. Three. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her. Two. I'm gonna hurt her. One. And then I'm gonna kill you right in front of her. Mission Impossible 3. Hey, he cut his hair this time. That's that's nice. All right, Mission Impossible 3. IMF agent Ethan Hunt comes into conflict with a, a dangerous and sadistic arms dealer who threatens his life and the life of his fiance. What? He has a girlfriend that actually has some substance to their relationship? Yes, that's really nice, actually. All right, immediately... Going into this, I knew I was going to like this movie better than the first two movies. The opening sequence to this movie is absolutely phenomenal, absolutely riveting, and it promised an emotional depth deeper than anything we've gotten in these movies before. And I mean, the movie totally followed on that promise. This is a really fun movie. In this movie, we finally get the emotional core that has been missing from the ones before this. 
So the basic setup here is that uh, Ethan Hunt is trying to get out of the game, and he's engaged to this girl named Jules, and even though we probably get less time with these two characters than we did with his girlfriend who was in Mission Impossible 2, who inconspicuously is just gone in this movie, by the way, I cared for them way more than I did for Ethan and Mission Impossible 2 girl, whom I, I don't even know her name, and that's because... We spent, like, real time with them. You know, the the time spent with them is better utilized. It actually created an emotional connection. It created some depth there. And it, it made me like these two characters, like their dynamic, and like them together. And therefore... It makes me, you know, worry about them, you know, with this whole situation that, that starts going down that threatens them and threatens their relationship. And, you know, when Ethan is trying to protect her and she's getting threatened, you know, you, you can feel that emotional impact that they're going for. And it works so much better here than it does in, in 2 especially. 2 is the one where they really push the love story and everything. But there is so much more as I said before, of an, an emotional core to this movie, and that made me like this movie significantly more than the first two movie. Uh, Carrie Russell's also in this. Carrie Russell is fantastic. If you haven't seen The Americans, she's she's super great in that. And she, I mean, she had a, a fairly small role in this overall, but she's really good, really good. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne also in here. He's great. He's kind of the boss kind of character to Ethan Hunt. Great. Uh, I mean, he doesn't get a lot to do, but I, I I really enjoyed the little bit that he does have. Simon Pegg. I love Simon Pegg, man. He's hilarious and awesome. He's in here. Uh, he's fine kind of here, you know? I mean, he, he just didn't really have much to do. He's just kind of forced into this very stereotypical role uh, that, you know, just the, he's the character that you call and can be on the computer and he tells you, oh, jump out the window and that's it, and, you know? And I mean, that's, that's pretty much who he is throughout all these movies to one extent or another, I guess, but I think they do a better job with that in future entries uh, than they do here. Here, I don't know, he, he just felt like kind of a one-note character, a little bit of wasted potential for Simon Pegg, but we get better Simon Pegg down the road, so don't even worry about that. Philip Seymour Hoffman is the villain in this, and he is fantastic. He is by far the best villain this series, this series has had so far, uh, and Honestly, watching the rest of the movies, he might be the best villain out of all of these movies. He has this very cold delivery that is really creepy and intimidating, but it, it also goes beyond that. I mean, it, Philip Seymour Hoffman just gives a really good performance because it, it could have just kind of been in this one-note, very kind of cold villain, and that's all he is, but... But I think I think this actor just kind of goes above and beyond with this. There's like a moment where he's getting threatened to be thrown out of an airplane and then you can legit see like okay now he's scared and now he's back in even though he, he more or less had control over that situation he he was still scared about you know this whole situation and it, it could have just been very flat like nah none of this scares me kind of thing I just I just thought that moment was really good and there's some other moments with here that I just think this fantastic actor elevated this potentially generic villain into easily one of the best villains of this this franchise. So really good. Uh, Aaron Paul also shows up in here uh, a little bit, which is kind of interesting. He's in Breaking Bad. This is by far the best Mission Impossible. The action is good, it's fun. The spy stuff is good, it's fun. And the villain is the best it's been. And this movie has that emotional core. I cared about the characters. I liked these characters. And where it all ended up, I really liked. And I really enjoyed. And so it's like, sweet. And this pretty much ends the movies. This is pretty much like a, a trilogy ender. And it, this feels like it could be the end of the series. But, I mean, obviously, it's not. So, let's, uh, well, wait, before we move on to Ghost Protocol, this movie is rated PG-13 for intense sequences of frenetic violence and menace, disturbing images, and some sensuality. I would give it a 4 out of 5 stars on the enjoyability scale. Now, let's move on to Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. An hour ago, a bomb blew up the Kremlin. The president has initiated ghost protocol. The entire IMF has been disavowed. 
Now I've been ordered to take you to Washington, where they will hang the Kremlin bombing on you and your team. Unless you were to escape after assaulting Brandt and me. But if any one of your team is caught, they will be branded terrorists, out to incite global nuclear war. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. They're abandoning the numbers here, just moving on to a subtitle, which I greatly prefer just having a subtitle than having a number personally, so that's pretty cool. The IMF is shut down when it's implicated in the bombing of the Kremlin, causing Ethan Hunt and his new team to go rogue to clear their organization's name. Simon Pegg is way better in this one. Just right off the bat, <laughs> I love Simon Pegg, and he is great in this movie. So much fun, so funny, and they, they give him more to do in this movie than previously, and they set him up for the future to do more also, and I love it. Great. Simon Pegg awesome. Uh, Jeremy Renner, also in this movie, I enjoyed his character. He's super fun. Uh, this movie's really kind of the, the start of this being kind of this, this group of people, this team actually going out and doing stuff. Yes, he he had a team or whatever before, but I mean, it was really just like his kind of show. Uh, you know, it was the, the Tom Cruise show. It was Ethan Hunt's show going out there and doing stuff. This is kind of the start of the team dynamic, the real strong team dynamic. And, and that, being the the driving force of this franchise uh, a little bit more in the step of kind of what fast and furious the the fourth one did is is okay now it's starting to become this more team family dynamic and moving forward from there with with five and beyond that's kind of what it was all about uh that's that's the step this is taking this series really is very comparable to Fast and Furious in a lot of ways, honestly. Uh, and, and you might say, oh, but Fast and Furious movies are stupid and these movies are smarter, and I guess to a certain extent, maybe. But honestly, I think these movies want you to think they're smarter than ultimately they are, and they're more just the action-focused, adrenaline-fueled kind of movies than uh, really, like, thoughtful kind of spy movies that they they could be but you know what ultimately that's okay because what they're going for here is a lot of fun a lot of the elements that of in this movie are better than than the previous movies all the previous movies i mean it has better action man it has better set pieces and stunts uh, you know it has better spectacle like, all that stuff is fantastic. When he's climbing up on that building, dude, that's intense, that's awesome. The the car chase with the, the motorcycle, the car, and the sandstorm and all this stuff. It's like, man, all this stuff is really cool. There's way better techie gadget kind of stuff. You know, there's the hallway sequence where uh, Tom Cruise and Simon Pegg are back there. Fantastic. So much fun. It's it's. Honestly, it's better directed probably than any of the the previous movies. The way the way all, everything meshes together to tell all this story, I think, is is really well done, and it has better side characters than any of the previous movies. That said, I think the emotional depth here is less than in number three. It's not gone. There there's still some residual depth. I mean, even from from carried over from number three, and they do make an effort to give you reasons to care for these characters, and it does work to a certain extent. But this movie is less about the characters and more about the the style, the adrenaline fueled kind of style to this movie less less about the the characters in particular. I mean the characters are still important, but it's more about the it's more of a step to like the team dynamic. Like this group of characters as a team is very fun and you can easily root for them, but you get less depth and you get less uh less real character development, I think than what we got with number 3. That said, I think this does better with some stuff than number three does. So ultimately, to me, it, it kind of evens out. This is an extremely fun, edgier seat kind of movie. I really enjoyed it. It's rated PG-13 for sequences of intense action and violence. I would give it a four out of five stars on the enjoyability scale. Really, really fun, but just not not mind-blowing, in my opinion. Just a really good time. Now we're going to move on to Rogue Nation. The IMF is uniquely trained and highly motivated. Specialist without equal immune to any countermeasures. 
but it is an agency of chaos. The time has come to dissolve the IMF. Now, I want you to choose your next words very carefully. Where is Hunt? Last I heard, he was tracking the syndicate. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Ethan and his team must take on their most impossible mission yet, eradicating the Syndicate, an international rogue organization as highly skilled as they are, committed to destroying the IMF. If Ghost Protocol was like the, fan the Fast and the Furious 4 of the franchise, this is the Fast 5 of the franchise, where they really start to run with it. They really bring the team back together. I mean, you got even, uh, you know, Ving Rhames as Luther back here. They really start to bring this team together and, and have them going out on all these missions, and it's extremely fun. There is phenomenal action set pieces in here from, you know, riding on the outside of a plane, which is just insane. The fact that, that he does all his own stunts, uh, Tom Cruise, it's just nuts, including riding on a plane, flying through the air. It's nuts. That is ridiculous. There's awesome car chases that turns into motorcycle chases, snipers fighting in precarious locations, and of course, lots and lots of, of Tom Cruise running and running and running because that's what he does best. Uh, the story here, it, it's fun. You know, you got this fun, twisty, turny kind of story. Very, very cool, very fun. Fairly kind of typical Mission impossible kind of plot as far as that goes. But all the twists and turns they always do is very fun to see. And it's it makes for a fun, engaging ride. Uh, Sean Harris is the bad guy here. And he would be the one that would rival Philip Seymour Hoffman as the best villain. I think he's he's really good. But I, I, I don't know. I think he probably... He probably... He, maybe he has more depth because you, you do get more time with him as the villain. Uh, but I think I think Philip Seymour Hoffman ultimately gave a more engaging performance as the villain. So ultimately, you know, which is better, I don't know. Uh, either way, this is a good villain, and it, it uh, sets him up for a sequel. He's in the, the sequel as well. The Syndicate is a really cool idea. This is essentially the Hydra to, you know, the S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of thing. You know, the Syndicate to the IMF, and uh, them... Seeing seeing all that is very cool and very fun. This new trilogy, you know, starting with Ghost Protocol, moving on through uh, Fallout and everything, it's it it has really great character dynamics, but not as much character depth. Kind of like what I was saying before, and it, it, that carries through here. And ultimately, I think it carries through the next one, too. Great character dynamics. Very fun. Very fun team together. And a solid bad guy. So overall, a good time, but just not... It doesn't quite have the character depth, I would say, as the third movie did. It's kind of weird because the further I get into these movies, I, I kind of expected the more I would have to say about each one just because it's like, oh, you know, the, they got all this new different kind of stuff. But honestly, the further I'm getting into these movies, kind of the less I have to say because at this point, they've just kind of hit their formula with these movies and this... For this whole new kind of trilogy of movies and probably going forward with whatever the next one's going to be, they've just kind of hit their stride. And these movies, they're super fun, but at the same time, to me anyway, there's not really a lot to think about here. It's just a good, fun, kind of twisty-turvy, crazy, amazing action kind of movie, but there's not a ton to really dive into for the most part, unfortunately. So, uh, while I'd say it has a good time with them, I'm actually finding less to talk about than even with, like, the Fast and Furious movies when I reviewed those, which, uh, I mean, honestly, that, that just kind of surprised me. But hey, Rogue Nation, it's rated PG-13 for sequences of action and violence and brief partial nudity. I would give it a 4 out of 5 stars on the enjoyability scale. Let's move on to Mission Impossible Fallout. Your mission. Should you choose to accept it? I wonder, did you ever choose not to? The end you always feared is coming. And the blood will be on your hands. The fallout 
of all your good intentions. Mission Impossible Fallout. The fallout of all your good intentions. Such a great line. I love that. The fallout of all your good intentions. I mean, that's just not even a full line, but that's fantastic. That I love that. Anyway, okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Ethan Hunt and his IMF team, along with some other familiar faces, race against time after a mission gone wrong. Once again, stellar action sequences, nail-biting, edge-of-your-seat kind of stuff, amazing stunts and choreography, great cha car chases, and just all, all everything that you expect out of a Mission Impossible movie, it's here. It's extremely fun, edge-of-your-seat, exciting, all of that kind of stuff. It's great. Uh, Henry Cavill is back, and he's is not back, he's here, and he is a great addition to the cast. I, I loved Henry Cavill in this. He adds a great new addition to this team. Just fantastic. I love it. They bring back Ethan's wife in this. She was inconspicuously missing for the last couple movies. They finally bring her back in a way that is fantastic and actually brings probably more emotional depth to this movie than we got with the these this whole new trilogy here. Than we got with number four, five, and six. Uh, though, I mean, she's only back for a little bit of it, and so, you know, there's that. But... It still was really cool to see her and really cool to see their interactions after all this time. There's a line at the end of this movie that's that's really interesting, I thought. That it's, it's kind of a, a big thematic kind of idea in this movie. And, and, uh, and I mean, a thematic idea based around the, the main character's belief, Ethan Hunt's belief. And it's, he, they basically say, you know, we need people who care about the one life just as much as they care about the millions of lives that, you know, and, and that's obviously referring to Ethan Hunt and, and that is really good. That's, that's like a really good positive message actually, because so often in movies and stuff and so often in real life, I've met people that I've, I've talked to about this, you know, they're like, Oh, you know, you gotta, you have to put the lives of the many over the lives of the few, right? No matter what, but ultimately, you know, and in that, if, if it, that means, hurting or abandoning or whatever the lives of the few, killing the lives of the few in order to save the lives of the many, then, you know, that's what we need to do. And, you know, ultimately, no, that's not what we need to do. The ends do not justify the means, right? You know, the you can't do something evil. You can't do something evil and wrong in order to have a good and positive outcome because that's not... That's still not the right way to go about things, right? You know, there is rules, there is laws in place, you know, in, in the Bible and, I mean, even, you know, with the, the government and everything that's that that pertains even to, like, times of war or times of, you know, some extreme kind of situation that, that you would see in these movies. And ultimately, the life of the one is just as important as the life of the, the many, right? Or the, the concerns of the one are just as important as the concerns of the many. Uh, and, I mean, if you want a biblical example of this, you know, think about, you know, Jesus as the good shepherd going, leaving the 99 and going out to get the one who went astray, right? Right. You know, he's leaving those 99 there unprotected to go get this one that was stray. You know, he's putting the the life of this one, you know, the life of the 99 in danger to a certain extent to go get this this one whose life is in danger because the life of that one matters just as much as the life of those 99. Right. And then he brings that one back. And obviously that's kind of an allegorical tale. That's a, it's a parable, right? But, uh, but I think you can take that principle and you can apply it to something, to something like this. Um, anyway, I think that's just a really kind of cool, positive message that you don't see in most movies these days. So that's pretty cool. I liked this movie. It was extremely fun. It was extremely cool. It, it's probably better than Rogue Nation and Ghost Protocol. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I'd put all three of those movies pretty close to the same level. I think they just keep up in the action, up in some of the crazy coolness of all this kind of stuff, but uh, but ultimately they end up somewhere all right around the same level to me. This one is very much 
like Rogue Nation Part 2, you know, and, and just how much it continues uh, the story from Rogue Nation. I mean, you know, the Rogue Nation picked up the story from Ghost Protocol and all that. It's not that they didn't do that, but man, this one follows directly on the heels of Rogue Nation. It, it just feels like a Part 2 to that movie. Uh, and also, it doesn't really feel like an ending chapter to this franchise, because we're definitely, definitely getting more, and they're making another one and everything. So it's, it's no surprise that they're it doesn't feel like an ending, but, uh, you know, we got a second trilogy here, and I'm sure they're gonna try to get out at least a whole nother trilogy here. They probably want to make this the next, you know, Fast and Furious. This is already the next Fast and Furious movies. What am I talking about? This is Tom Cruise's version of the Fast and Furious movies. You know, Tom Cruise is the Vin Diesel to this franchise, right? So... There you go. Okay, I guess Jeremy Renner then would be The Rock. That <laughs> I don't know how that works, but um, all right. Well, anyway, uh, see, here's the deal with these movies. Pretty much all of them are the same, pretty much. I mean, there's like a nuclear weapon in play. The IMF either abandons their team or the team abandons the IMF at some point. In the original trilogy, he's always, like, fallen in love with a girl that never ends up, you know, happening or never ends up anything really happening with because he's always with a new girl in the next one. The team is strained to their limit, and then at the last second, bam, they push the button or flip the switch or open the briefcase or whatever they need to do, and it... It stops whatever that needs to stop from happening, and, and that's that. Yay, they save the day. Fun, good times, but it's it's all the same. You know, every, every single one of these movies is the same. Does that mean I'm going to stop watching them? No, because I'm still having fun. I'm still enjoying the adventure. I'm enjoying this crazy action set pieces and stuff that they put together, but ultimately, there's not a lot different about these. It's a lot harder to talk about this as a franchise than I expected because so much of it is the same. It's the same thing over and over. And while the same thing, it's it's fun each time so far, except for like the first two movies I didn't really like. But from the third movie on, it's fun like every time, but it's pretty much the same. Am I looking forward to the next one? Absolutely. But it's I'm expecting it to be pretty much the same as Fallout, which was pretty much the same as Rogue Nation, which was pretty much the same as Ghost Protocol. Number three was a little different, two was different, but not in a good way, and number one, I mean, it was the start, so, you know, it's the start, there you go. But it's it's all the same, and so, ultimately, you know, maybe I'll, I'll review the future ones in the future, but ultimately, I, I expect it to be about the same as this, and... Yeah, it's fun. I enjoyed it. Fallout's rated PG-13 for violence and intense sequences of action and brief, strong language. And I would give it a 4 out of 5, pretty much like all the other ones, because, again, it's pretty much the same. Our lives are the sum of our choices. And we cannot escape the past. Ethan, this mission of yours is gonna cost you dearly. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Ethan Hunt and the IMF team must track down a terrifying new weapon that threatens all of humanity if it falls in the wrong hands. With control of the future and the fate of the world at stake, a deadly race around the globe begins. Confronted by a mysterious, extremely powerful enemy, Ethan is forced to consider that nothing can matter more than the mission, not even the lives of those he cares about. The world is changing. Truth is vanishing. War is coming. It's been a long time, friend. You've no idea the power I represent. It knows your story and how it ends.
themes, messages, ideas. This is the part of the show where I talk about some of the themes and things that popped out to me in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning here. And uh, I'm not going to go way too deeply into it in this segment just because I don't want to spoil this movie. Uh, but, but the theme really that this movie, the thing that this movie is talking about is AI, which is really interesting because AI has really been blowing up recently right there's there's all kinds of ai websites and whatever that you can talk to and there's ai that's being integrated into different jobs and it's increasingly uh we're we're increasingly moving that direction and this movie seems to be kind of be commentating on that uh in a in a fairly negative light it seems like or at, at the very least a very cautionary light because uh the the extremely powerful you know potentially world ending tool that they're you know trying to get and uh, you know everybody's trying to get in this movie is this AI that is you know the the next level of intelligence or whatever and so you know this is it's really powerful it's really dangerous and all this stuff right and the movie seems to have the view that this is you know this is a very uh, bad negative thing you know no no one man should have all that power you know <laughs> nobody nobody should be that powerful to control and obviously the way that the the people the bad guys and stuff would use the tool and stuff in the movie is obviously very evil because this is a big played up action movie right so the ways that they they use this tool and stuff is definitely for uh, evil, and I definitely agree that you, you know, there's no way you should be using something like AI or, or anything for uh, the the manipulation of people and the manipulation of the world and all, all kinds of stuff that they're using it for in this movie. Uh, this is... Honestly, I think this is a, a fairly legitimate uh, threat as far as our future goes. I mean, I, I, you know, I can't say I know everything about AI or whatever, but I, I do think that this is something that could uh, potentially change the world in the way that, you know, internet changed the world and stuff like that, right? I, I think this is a, a really big, monumentous creation, and it is something that we need to be, be uh, weary of. Now, that said, I... I, I don't think there's any inherent, like, uh, moral worth to AI, or I don't think there's also any inherent immoral worth to AI either. Uh, I, I think it's just a tool, right, ultimately. Uh, you know, because I've heard some, you know, people discussing it, and I, I hear some Christians that are very, like, anti-AI and stuff, and I, I'm not that... But but I do think it's a tool. It's a, it's a powerful tool, and it's something that needs to be handled with care for sure. And this movie, maybe maybe it's more just along those lines. This is like the first half of the movie. I think thematically, this will be maybe more fleshed out by the time we see. However, this movie, how, however this wraps up in part two, right? But I think this the idea of this being a, a powerful tool that we need to be careful with definitely is. Uh, is accurate, you know, and it's, it's, I, I, but I don't think it's inherently something that's evil or inherently something that's good. It is, it is simply a tool, you know. I found it really interesting watching this movie just because this is so relevant to our times right now and so relevant with the the rise of ai and stuff going on here you know that it's like uh that that this is like the main focus of this movie is i thought really interesting and kind of the way they're kind of discussing it in the movie i i found very interesting another thing thematically in here that i i thought was interesting is that uh the the villains, or at least some of them, there's there's tons of different villains in this movie because it's basically everybody's you know trying to all get the same thing, right? There's the the MacGuffin that everybody's going after, right? That's that's kind of the the structure of this movie. Uh, but but one of the big villains wants to create a one world government, and they want to you know use the AI to help them create a one world government, which again I I just found really interesting because there's. You know, the the villains of the real world <laughs> there's there's evil people in the real world that want to create this uh you know one world government and stuff and uh and that is obviously viewed as a, a very bad thing in the movie and it's uh yeah and i think that's a very bad thing in real life too and i, I just find it really interesting that that's 
popping up here in this movie because so often nowadays, uh, you know, things that the government and stuff is trying to uh, push on us is also being pushed on us by the media and by movies and stuff like that too. And so to see that being like resisted or shown as a bad thing in a popular Hollywood big budget, you know, big movie, one of the biggest movies of the year coming out here, right? So it's like, I find that really interesting. Listen to me. The world's coming after you. His fate is written. Shall we write yours too? If anything happens to them, there's no place that I won't go to kill you. That is written. I enjoy the Mission Impossible movies. I think this is a really fun franchise, and honestly, I think basically every movie gets better and better. This is It's very rare for this to, to be this way in a franchise, but I really think basically every movie is escalating better and better, and honestly, this movie just continues that trend because I think this movie is extremely fun. The action in this movie is amazing absolutely phenomenal probably the best action of the franchise so far which is saying something because this franchise always has amazing action sequences especially you know uh since like ghost protocol and stuff forward is really where they started pushing the action and pushing some of the really big insane stunts and stuff that they were doing in these movies and that continues here. But I mean, even, okay, you got the stunts. You got, you know, then you see in the trailer the, the motorcycle jumping stunt that he's doing is very cool in here. There's other stunts in here that are, you know, of the, the big, like, crazy kind of things that Tom Cruise is out there doing that is really cool to see. But then there is so many other action sequences in here that are also really cool. And, like, my favorite action sequence isn't even necessarily... It, it is a stunt sequence, I suppose, but it's a, it's a different action sequence that is not one of the big majorly advertised ones necessarily that is just absolutely phenomenal in this movie. So cool, great action, extremely fun. And I mean, say what you want about Tom Cruise. You know, some people love him, some people hate him, but, but he always gives, you know, 110% into his movies, you know, both in like the crazy stunts and, and all that kind of stuff that he's always going on doing for these, but also in his acting, because he is great as this character. He is great as Ethan Hunt, making this very, very entertaining, you know, this, this stoic heart of gold, you know, assassin spy guy, you know, Mission Impossible guy, making him a character that you can really, like, latch onto and like, and he's, he's a good guy, he's like a good action hero, which is kind of unfortunately rare nowadays, you know, so often you have the characters that are are so much just the shades of gray that it's like, is there any light in here at all, you know? <laughs> whereas, whereas this guy, you know, e Ethan Hunt, like, he, he wants to save the world and he wants to save his friends because it's a good thing to do and it's the right thing to do. And, you know, and then, like, that's very much his motivation. And, uh, and that's cool. That's, that's like really cool. And it's kind of, uh, old school, unfortunately. It, it shouldn't really be old. You know, good guys should be good guys in movies. And I'm all for the shades of gray and all that kind of stuff, you know, to, to make them interesting and all that kind of stuff. But, but, like, most heroes in movies should be heroes and should be good guys and should kind of be these uh, characters that we can aspire to, to some extent. And uh, and I think that is the kind of character that is uh, portrayed here in Mission Impossible with Ethan Hunt here. Haley Atwell's introduced in here, and she is fantastic. Like, she is, she plays this, like, tricky thief kind of character, and she is so much fun. Uh, like, something I, I just, I hate in modern movies is that they just make all the, the female characters just another one of the guys, you know? And that's that's how you do, uh, you know, strong female characters. You know, I guess that's that's a, a part of feminism, is you just eliminate women and, and you just make them into men, you know? So, hooray feminism, I guess. Uh, but, but like, like, that's so stupid. This, they do not do that. They, they 
have her be the strong female character without just changing her into a male character, you know, which I think is great. You got the the feminine aspects and you got the cool, more action-y kind of aspects and all that stuff to her character. And she's great. She's so much fun. And she, uh, this, this might be the best performance I've ever seen out of Haley Atwell. Really good. And again, this kind of makes it feel a little bit more like a old school action movie in certain ways where men and women couldn't act like men and women, you know what I mean? Which, which is a good, a good thing that is uh, unfortunately rare in Hollywood nowadays. There's a ton of other returning cast members in here. The cast of these movies are like ballooning like crazy. It's, it kind of reminds me of the Fast and the Furious movies just in that there is so many different characters that, that from all these different movies, you know, I guess most movies don't get like, what, what are we, seven movies in now at this point? So most movies don't get this far, so they don't really have the chance to have this many new characters introduced throughout the franchise be in a movie like this. Uh, but it's really cool. They're well integrated into the movie i do wish i like watched the last one again like shortly before going into this one because i was like there's a character i'm pretty sure she was in the last one but i don't remember her very well and then she pops up again in this one and she's like okay she seems cool but like i i i want to remember what happened in the last one better so i can uh have a better established who she is in this one. The villain of the movie is kind of weird because I mean you, you got the like the AI who's doing all this kind of evil villain kind of stuff as you know the AI is like a villain and then you got uh, a, a human face of the AI I guess you got the human villain as well and the human villain is he's kind of weird like I I think this was probably intentional but they kind of made him very. Move, he even like moves kind of weird and some of the stuff he says it just is a little odd and I think it's to make him more robotic or to make him like maybe a little bit more like an AI or something I don't know exactly I think he's I guess supposed to be the human face of the AI maybe or something but it makes him kind of an odd character and he even has like a fight scene where he's fighting and it looks very strange the way like, like it doesn't look like he he is a fighter necessarily i don't know it's it's very odd uh it works for the most part but it's he, he's not the strongest uh villain of the franchise i would say but overall this movie this movie is fantastic this movie is so much fun it is so entertaining i think it's it's really interesting the discussions on the ai type stuff going on and it, the action is just amazing and phenomenal you got these fun characters all coming together simon Pegg back in here and it's just the perfect blending of just a phenomenal fun entertaining action movie that is just it's just top tier this is in my opinion the best mission impossible movie so far ethan what's your objective what's your ultimate objective your life will always matter more to me than my own Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is rated PG-13 for intense sequences of violence and action, some language, and suggestive material. I would give it a 5 out of 5 stars on the enjoyability scale. None of our lives can matter more than this mission. I don't accept that. The Helix Reviews Podcast is a proud member of the Christian Geek Central Network, a hub of all kinds of cool Christian geeky stuff from around the web, all funneled to ChristianGeekCentral.com. Check it out. What do you think of these movies? Mission Impossible. Shoot me an email, HelixReviewsPodcast at gmail.com. Do you like these movies? Do you dislike them? Do you uh, do you disagree with me that they all just seem the same? You know, are, are they not all the same? Why do you think that? Shoot me an email, HelixReviewsPodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to hear your, your guys' opinions on this, and I can read it on the show in the next episode. That is it for this time, guys. This is David Arrington of the Helix Reviews Podcast signing off. Bye-bye, guys.